everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Unconventional Gal, Forging Your Own Path. With me, your host, Cherry Dollface. I almost forgot the name of my own show. So today is going to be kind of an emotional podcast, so bear with me here. Uh, my absolute best friend in the world has agreed to come on and talk about her experience. You guys have actually heard about her a little bit. I've talked about her before. Um, her experience not only with multiple pregnancy losses, but also with losing a child after she was born. This is something that is all too common and all too often hidden away and not talked about. Caitlin is one of the funniest, most generous, kindest, and strongest humans I have ever met, and I am damn lucky to call her my best friend. And don't worry, friends, this story does have a happy ending, so hang in there. Hello, Caitlin. Hello. <laughs> what a lovely intro. Everybody says that when I write my... I feel like I need to put some like nice things in there so it like loosens up the vibes. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just glad my Venmo went through. Okay, so I'm just going to jump right into it here. I know that this is probably going to be an emotion. So if you make me cry, I'm going to be very upset because I got my eyelashes permed today and they're not supposed to get wet what? Yeah, they're not supposed to get wet. What is an, what is an eyelash? Term? It's like it makes them curly. I have snuffleupagus eyelashes naturally, mm -hmm. so it like makes them nice and curly. With that, I okay. tell you, you are not, not allowed to you're not allowed to weep because if you weep, I weep. So no pressure. All right, I'll I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my best. I didn't even bring any Kleenexes in here. Oh, I so. didn't either, but I have Jimmy's pillow next to me, so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I do have a comforter behind me, so I can just... Uh. <laughs> Enough with these funny shenanigans. Let's get into the really horrible, mm. sad stuff. Let's do it. <laughs> so you... Tell me about your first few experiences with pregnancy loss. I know that you had several miscarriages. How many did you have? I've had four that I know of. So um, part of the thing with miscarriages is when they're early on, like you don't even perhaps know that you're pregnant. You just think maybe you have a heavier period or you don't even notice that. So I know on record that I have, I have had four. So you had four miscarriages and then mm -hmm. you got pregnant with Juliet. So tell me like yeah. that story. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll give you my whole, my whole shebang. So my first was, uh, I was eight weeks when I miscarried, which is technically early in the in the process still but anyone that has been pregnant will tell you that every day is a long day a good day dreaming hoping so you know two months worth of of that is is shattering it's shattering at any time but um i was especially shattered and then subsequently after that the next three were five weeks six weeks and i had a doctor at the time that was very old school um Clomid was the most he was going to do, which is a fertility drug that just helps push hormones. And all these miscarriages happened also was extra sad when I was in uh, the Chicagoland area and four hour flight away from my mother. But anyway, so I had a doctor that was just super old school. And so um, I did try, I got on Clomid after the fourth miscarriage and um, got pregnant. I actually took some some vaginal suppositories to help boost my hormone levels because my doctor at the time thought that was my issue. And so I took those and got past, you know, 12 weeks and we we're good, thought we were in the clear. Um, and, and once again, him being very old school, he um, at the 20 week appointment, which is traditionally when it's, it's your big ultrasound. It's when you can 
uh, find out the sex of the baby and they do all the measurements and make sure everything looks good and da 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 da. Well, he, for my 20 week appointment, he just slapped a little thing on me to hear the, <laughs> the heartbeat. Ultrasound. And yeah. We, we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little wushy wushy. Uh-huh. Slapped that on my tummy and, and uh, she was wushing away in there. So we called it good and went merrily along. And uh, within that next month, my um, ex and I moved back to the Portland area. I went back to my, an OB that I had seen before. And the first thing she did was order a 20-week ultrasound. I was six, seven months pregnant at that time, and she was, like, floored. She's like, what? You didn't have a measury one, the big one? <laughs> That's what it's um, the technical PS, term. PS, the PS, uh, gentle listener, I am a health professional, and I do not know the words <laughs> to these things. So we got an ultrasound all scheduled and went in there. Golly, this is I'm, – I'm, for some girls listening that know what I've gone through, I'm hitting some points. That sinking feeling of when the ultrasound tech, who is chatty, Kathy, oh, is this your first, bobbity boop bop, when all of a sudden she clammed up and oh, stopped talking, yeah. I just, I knew instantly something was wrong. And actually, I, I looked up at the screen and I saw when they were going over the head mm-hmm. that half the brain was missing. Like immediately when we found out, I looked back at it and thought, oh, that's what I was seeing. Um, so she was quiet and uh, we went back into the doctor's office. And at the time of the ultrasound, they found that she was missing half of her brain and she had a hole in her heart. And she had also a, excuse me, unambiguous genitalia. Because <laughs> I do remember thinking, if nothing else, I want to know. Is it a girl or a boy? And they couldn't <laughs> even like, tell me. No. Couldn't even tell me that. Thanks I was like, nothing. oh god. <laughs> so at first, what they told us, my doctor, who was amazing, anyone in the Portland area, go to Dr. Pew. And when they they told me, like, oh, okay, we're gonna send you to get an amnio. It's probably not genetic. Well, my luck. <laughs> we got the test results back, Surprise! and it was <laughs> it was a genetic disorder. And she um, had a. Um, diagnosis of trisomy 13 which was fatal um and so they gave me the option you know to um you know terminate now um it's medically okay you know because I was I was definitely seven months by that point Mm -hmm. um or you know carry it out but she was she was kicking and she was moving and it was almost like I felt you know as long as I could oh here we go sorry Caitlin Nope. Right. <laughs> well, how, how do you expect me to do this? And her birthday's next month. I felt that as long as I could feel her moving and I could feel her kicking, as long as I could keep her safe and alive for as long as I could, um, I wanted to. Now, that being said, if anyone is in this position and goes the other route, that is totally fine, too. Because let me tell you, the next month and a half, of every single person I ran into at the grocery store coming up and patting my belly and asking me, oh, as a boy or girl, when did it do? Have you had your shower? Have you decorated the nursery? And I... Were you just making up stories at some point just to like disconnect? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm not going to tell the little old lady from church <laughs> that I grew up with that was asking about. I'm not going to tell her, well, Gladys, I got some <laughs> real heavy news for you in the vegetable aisle here today. But anyway, so I carried her for another month and a half, and she went when we were going to get ready um, to go to the hospital to have her. They, my doctor told me, don't expect that she's going to 
be born alive, first of all. And they they warned you that, that she might have deformities too, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So um, part of the reason why she had that um, ambiguous genitalia was trisomy 13 is called a midline disease. So as your cells split um, in in the womb to make more cells and make more of a person, mm-hmm. um, the, the splitting doesn't happen quite right. So they were telling us that she might have a cleft palate. She might not have a nose. Her eyes might not have separated, so she might have just one eye. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of really heavy, mm-hmm. scary stuff that um, that we were prepared for. So we went into the hospital with um, one keepsake outfit that we would were going to put her in to hold her, and then we did bring her burial clothes. Man, if you if you've ever been into the hospital and you know your the baby is not going to survive, they do these special things for you. They put a little special thing on the door so that like orderlies and other people know not to oh, burst in. Yeah. Like, hey, like, everybody! Like, it's it's not a yeah, yeah it's not a party in here. <laughs> They actually closed off the room next door so that our family could stay in there as a waiting room so that our family didn't have to be in, like, the general in ra- waiting room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Handing out cigars. <laughs> <laughs> they drugged me up. <laughs> at, at first, you know, being from Oregon, I was like, oh, at first I was like, I'm going to yoga my way through this birth. I'm going to be so zen and Fuck I don't need another girl. You don't need to earn and it. And it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. And then when I found out she wasn't going to survive, I was like, F this noise right now. <laughs> Took me about 20 minutes and I pushed her out like a little stick of butter. She just flew right out of me. And, um, she was almost she was almost six pounds. And she, she looked almost six perfect. Pounds. You never would yeah. have known she had such a like wild genetic disorder. Yeah. No, she was she was pink and perfect and I got to got to bathe her and everything and held her and, and I just, you know, kept kind of waiting. Mm-hmm. You know, waiting for her to pass away. And she didn't and she didn't. Gosh, I remember the text. I remember all the texts like of me checking in like, yeah. how is it going? How are you doing? Yeah. Like, she's still trucking. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. She was and tough. like I finally looked at the nurse and I said, should we feed her? <laughs> like she's she's she's, she's like here. Hungry. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, this chick is hungry, man. Like, should we? Should we? And they were like, sure, let's do it. And doctors kept telling us, you know, it's it's hours, not days. Mm-hmm. And then they started talking about us going home. And I said, excuse me, what? I'm not going home. We're, we're living here until she's passed. I, I don't know what to do. I No, no. And they're like, no, you, you need to go home. We're going to set up hospice for you and, and everything like that. And I should also be noted at this time that we were a dirt poor. Dirt. <laughs> when they were like, started talking about like, oh, hospice and this and that, I'm like, I we I don't have money. Like, I, <laughs> how am I going to pay for all this? And they explained to me, like, no, the hospice just comes. And we uh, we went home, and hospice was ordered, and they came to help out like once a day. Forgot to mention my uh, wonderful, wonderful priest that I grew up with uh, came to the hospital at midnight to baptize her, also, mm-hmm. which was incredibly important for me and my family. Um, you know, mm-hmm. raised Catholic and whatnot. Um, wonderful man. He actually just passed away too. Aww. So they're up there. They're up there hobnobbing together. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and then she, 
she passed and I've only told my therapist about those 12 last 12 hours because nobody it's a lot I can't I can't even tell my mom yeah they I nobody I can't I can't burden anyone else with what that was Mm. but it was the most incredibly difficult thing I have to tell you (laughs) when I posted that I was doing this podcast the stories I got I had one girl tell me that her mom lost 19 yeah 19 babies so obviously like your story is unique and your loss is unique to you but I think the importance of this is not only you know that you're not alone in this but I feel like there's so many women that go through some version of this whether it's just like a month in or having your baby and losing it or even parents that have lost children that have you know, tragic accidents or that kind of thing. 100%. But I think the the pregnancy loss part of it and the, like, you're a part of it where you lose them before they really become Mm -hmm. little humans is so Mm -hmm. common and so unspoken about. Most definitely. For the entire year of 2012, I heard about every placating remark ever in the history of the world, Mm -hmm. whether it's God has a plan Mm -hmm. or these things happen for a reason or boopity boop boop. For me, even though it's very common and it's, it is comforting to know that you are not alone. It's very dismissive. Mm-hmm. It's if you are wanting a family and wanting a baby, it is it is like all consuming. And you do you feel like a failure and you feel like why why can't this why can this person do it and I can't mm-hmm. and I'd say that's a big, big takeaway from here is if you ever ever trying to comfort somebody who's been through any of this, just go, man, that sucks. And I love you. <laughs> what do you, what do you need from me? Well, that was really similar to what Amanda said with her loss of her husband was the same thing of like, you mm-hmm. don't want to hear that. Like, you'll be okay. You'll get over it. You're strong. Like, you don't want to hear that. Like they call it toxic yeah. positivity. That's a good point too. I could not find a counselor that specialized in child loss in all of the Portland, South Washington area. I looked everywhere. There was no like infant loss support group. There was no nothing. The the gal I went to was like, never never a good sign where you're like shocking your therapist and her like jaws on the floor. And I was like, sorry. (laughs) Like I promised you guys in Mm -hmm. my intro, there is a happy ending to this story. So Caitlin (laughs) met another lovely man who she married, Tyler, and they went through IVF. I was going to say, that's a whole that's yeah. a whole other story. It's a long story, so yeah. I'm just going to wrap it up because I was there through this. We were in London, yeah. and you got the results. And so it turns out that Caitlin was the carrier. It was a whole other fiasco and emotions, and what are we going to do? Well, she went to a geneticist that, like, really knew their shit, and they did IVF. They did, like, this special kind of IVF that, like, basically weeded out <laughs> the genetic yeah, for lack of a better abnormality term, yeah. so you had when they harvested your eggs you had like 30 eggs or something crazy you had a lot when they first harvested yeah so i i had like 20 when you first um when they first harvested them and then they fertilized mm-hmm. the eggs and then they kind of go through days well start out with 20 and by the end of the seven days eight days I had one. one. I called him Tiny one. Tim. <laughs> I was like, yep. oh, Tiny Tim. I remember that. It I was had... Thanksgiving when I had visited you. It was right after yeah. Thanksgiving and you called me crying. You were like, there's only one. I was like, he's going to be so strong. But he was like a triple A. Yeah. Wasn't he like the highest rating of a 
whatever it is, yeah. the zygote? <laughs> yes, he he is and was something else. Um, <laughs> but my the genetics that I carry, 60% of my eggs are garbage. Toast. So when I got that one egg, I was like, my odds are not good, yeah. literally. <laughs> and then beyond that, it's got to stick. It's yeah, got to fertilize. It's got to do all sorts of stuff in your bod, mm-hmm. you know. I was like, there's no way. I was devastated. Oh, I remember. But Tiny Tim made it, and he oh, yeah. he is a big, chunky baby. He's not a baby anymore. He's mm-hmm. three now. Yeah. And He's his, three. So Caitlin's nickname for me is Chuck, and she named him Charlie. So I would like to think in my heart that he is Chuck Jr., so I call him Chuck Jr., and he is just, he's her twin. She sent me a picture of him in the bath right before we started this, and it's like, I said, it's your twin minus the wiener, because it was him in the bath, and your wiener isn't quite that big yet. <laughs> but yeah, so he's healthy and great and chunky and funny, and you got your baby. You got your miracle baby. I remember telling a guy that I was dating who was quite a bit older than I was, then he was done with having kids, and I just looked at him and I said, I cannot leave this earth without hearing a little voice call me mama. Aww. I cannot do it. And... When I got home from work today, I opened the door, and that is the first thing I heard. Mama, mama, mama. mama. It's just, I mean, there are days where I get tired of hearing my name for the 500th time, (laughs) but (laughs) I do appreciate it. (laughs) Does he say I love you yet? Is he there yet? Oh, my gosh. Oh, all all the time. I love that. He's also, he's becoming like complimentary. He'll say, you're a good mama. Oh, Oh, you're a good mama, mama. I love you so much. (laughs) Just so everybody knows, I am not the worst best friend ever. Caitlin lives like a thousand miles from me. It's not like she lives down the road and I'm like, tell me all about your son. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm going to get, if you've listened to my podcast before, so you know, I ask everybody three questions when I have guests. So I'm going to ask you my three questions and we're going to take questions. I actually got a lot of questions from people. Okay. So first question is what makes your life unconventional? I think this is going to sound funny, but I think what makes me so unconventional is that I can appear so conventional, but my inner workings are absolutely bizarre. You're a super weirdo. I can vouch for that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And your interests too. Like, like you have like a great record collection of punk music and like oh, you lo- yeah. like you used to have wild hair. Like you used to look unconventional until mom life. Girl, my girl oh, my pink that's right pink. now. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was in a ponytail. So I think that's kind of what makes me unconventional is that I am I'm a weirdo. I love punk and classical and I love old movies and I love horror movies and I I I love sports, but I also love, I mean, love nothing more than going vintage shopping and going to Viva. And Okay, so in that vein, what makes your life conventional? I think that's kind of a ex- self-explanatory. Like on the surface, your life is pretty conventional. Like the husband, her husband's a cop. She used to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. You have the kid and the house and the, you live on a farm, and the right? Dog. We, even have a, we even have a golden retriever. I, I mean, that no, is... No, we don't. We have a yellow lab. I just lied. That's, that's we don't have a golden retriever. That's Whatever. <laughs> okay, so name three positive things in your life. They can be big or small. My immediate family and um, my extended family. After, <laughs> I'll tell you, after the last four years, I am ever so grateful that my family has remained harmonious and <laughs> on the same wavelength, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, happy and grateful for... I just have to go with Charlie. I mean, my son. Uh, Chuck Jr. My little, Hello. My little guy. 
he is the greatest gift of my life, 100%. Um, and then I actually just got a new job. I really, really love it. It's like the, it's like the culmination of, cause teaching is great. I loved working with my students. I'm at a community college now and I'm working with a great team of people getting to work out of a health office, but I don't have to do lessons. I don't have to teach. Mm-hmm. And I get to talk about a little more grown up stuff because I am interacting with grown up students. And you don't so get in trouble I when can't... you put a condom on a cucumber. Excuse me. We had we had a wooden model. Oh, that's right. And they they complained that you were showing their kids dildos. Yeah. I was like, oh, you mean you mean the Oregon state standard that I am by law required to teach your child? Thank you for answering my questions. Now I have a cornucopia of questions for you from people. Oh, by the way, anybody that submitted a question, um, you will be credited in my contributors below. If you would like to submit a question for a future podcast or a story, follow me on my socials. I am at the Cherry Dollface. Caitlin, is, are your socials public or private? I'm off. She's gone. You could never see I'm a her. ghost. You can ne- I'll put I'll put some stuff in my stories if anybody wants to see like Caitlin and Chuck Jr. and have the feel goods. Okay. First question is from Jennifer Solis. She asks she's talking about miscarriages. I've had two in the last one and the last one was very scary. How do you not stress when trying again? I tried to be optimistic about my last one, but it was very hard. We want to try again, but I'm so nervous and get anxiety thinking about it. <sighs> Jennifer. I I don't I don't have an answer. For you, honestly, I, I think it's just one of those things that you have every right to be nervous and have trepidation about it. You, we, we have been through something absolutely traumatic. And so um, I don't have any tips on how to not be a nervous wreck because mm-hmm. uh, I, I could have used those tips too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, when I was pregnant with Charlie, I like stopped working out. I would like mm-hmm. lay flat. Like, like just squeeze your thighs you together. <laughs> exactly. Jennifer, I'm sorry. I'm not very helpful. Um, just know that give yourself some some room to feel the feelings that you are because you have every right to feel them. Biggest thing I could say maybe is really invest in some self-care mm-hmm. to try to pamper yourself, to, to take your try to take your mind off it. Allow your partner to give you support because I know us, us tough gals want, want to do everything on our own and I, I'm not sure if there's a way to not be nervous. Well, and also just a disclaimer, like Caitlin is answering these questions for you guys. Obviously, I can't answer them because I haven't been through this, but she's only answering these from her own unique 100%. perspective. Like you're you're not a doctor. You're not a guru. You're not. A, you're just like one broad that has gone through this a bunch of times and you're kind of giving your perspective on it. So no pressure for you to feel like you need to be like all knowing. <laughs> I need all the answers. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't have my doctorate yet. Like not I haven't yet. started on it. So, and I'm not going to, but yeah, this is just my opinion. So next question is from Chloe Mason. She asks, what did the midwives or obstetricians do well and what could they improve? I didn't, I actually have never worked with a midwife, so I can, I don't have any experience. Well, all of your stuff there. is so medical. Like a mid, you wouldn't have been able to have a midwife. Totally. And I think before, like when I said I was going to yoga my way through that delivery, I think at one point I was a little more like, I was like looking for places on Hawthorne, you know, like, Ooh, mm-hmm. where, where can I go to get like some crunchy, crunchy <laughs> midwifery? Um, and, but then we got the diagnosis and I was like, okay, I need a white jacket all the time <laughs> <laughs> up, in, up in this room. I honestly had, I feel that I had such good care 
um, from my doctor, Dr. Pugh, um, and even um, Dr. Brunsman out here when I had Charlie. I had a doctor fill in for my doctor out here one week, and he was very inquisitive, asked a ton of questions, was very interested, and it really made me feel heard, and it made Juliet's story feel important mm -hmm. um, because, you know, for me and my family, it's it's still here, but for everyone else, you know, they go on with their lives. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it was nice. So I'm also the one to think that balance is good. So of course you're going to have the super sweet one that's everything's great and you're doing awesome and oh you're you're a goddess and then the next one comes in and goes all right you need to go poo you need to get up and walk around <laughs> uh -huh. and you're like no. <laughs> I will say the pediatrician that got assigned that we got for Juliet in the hospital. His bedside manner was lacking. Mm. He was the one that kept saying, it's days, not weeks. It's she is basically like she is going to die because for a while there, my family, you get home, you know, they're not, they're not scientists. Yeah. They're like, she's perfect. Like she's good. She's totally healthy. You need that doctor though to exactly. be like, even yeah. though it's like hurt, I guess hurtful, but it's hurtful yeah. in like a tough love kind of way. I feel like I am that doctor totally. in our friendship. <laughs> yeah, I'm the tough love. Totally. You're the nurse. It's like you're beautiful. You're amazing. And I'm like, no, yeah. it's days, not weeks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're definitely good cop and bad cop, and <laughs> we know exactly who the other is. <laughs> so when I did this, when I did my podcast with mom and sister, it was mom was the nicest. I was the middle, and Shay was the asshole. And I was like, this is the only time I'm not the asshole is in my family. Like in the rest of my life, I'm the asshole. Okay, next question. Rachel Davison asks. What should people avoid this? Okay, so this is a big one. I only I just picked this one for the wording, but this was the question I got so much. And also okay. someone in my personal life has asked me to ask this of you because they're going through this with a friend right now. Um, okay. What should people avoid saying? And what is the best way to respond to somebody who has experienced this? So not just someone like in the grocery store, but like somebody that's like close in your life. Once again, this is a huge disclaimer of this is my personal yeah, feeling absolutely. of how I took things and uh, what what made sense to me and I also want the disclaimer of before I went through all this I was 100% the it's okay you'll do it next time mm -hmm. god has a plan but that's your that's so your personality totally I'm the cheerleader like oh you got this bop -bop, mm -hmm. like no problem Gla I mean true Irish Catholic just Pound, just mash down all the bad feelings and cover it up with alcohol and you're good to go. <laughs> no problem. I mean, the, the laundry list of what not to say is huge. Mm -hmm. Things like, you know, everything happens for a reason. Oh, it's so common. Um, at least, you know, your body's working. Anybody that is curious what not to say, Google toxic positivity and it will, okay. it literally gives you like phrases of things that are like mm -hmm. seem really positive but are actually really harmful to human beings and it goes for like people going through a hard time people that are sick people that have dealt with death like it goes for a lot of things but I th everything you're saying to me seems like that same vein of like it sounds really encouraging but you just kind of want to punch the person in the face yes look that up um they're they're all there what I found most comforting and what I have then taken away with myself and and said to friends and been there for friends is unless they invite more conversation keep it short acknowledge their pain do not dismiss it and then offer help mm -hmm. so something as simple as 
I can't imagine what you have gone through. I, I know you're hurting and please let me know if I can do anything. Even better than that, just tell, tell them. Because when you help. say, mm-hmm. yeah, because <laughs> when you say like, let me know if I can do anything, people aren't going to be like, well, I did. I have, I have some laundry. I have this to-do list. I know, I have this to-do list that I'm going to delegate out. Say like, okay, I'm going to come over tomorrow and do a little yeah. laundry and drop off dinner. Mm-hmm. You don't. You can stay in your room. You don't have to talk to me. I'm just going to come in and do what I got to do. And I'm out of here. Just having that person know that you're there and that you support them is everything. You know, I had, we had a funeral for Juliet and people that lived in town that I've known my whole life, you know, didn't come, which is fine. Like I get it. Who wants to go to an infant's funeral? Mm-hmm. Not anybody. Cause it's the worst thing ever. But I had like three new girlfriends that I had just met through coaching like literally a month ago and they all came and they stayed and they took me to the beach for a retreat and um, it's Brooke Taran. I, I knew as soon as you said it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, they like, it's, it's just being there, but, but, you know, Cherokee, my best friend was there in so many other ways for me, always checking in, always texting me. What can I do? I'm here for you whenever my mom's friends did like a meal train oh. where they like, you sign up mm-hmm. and you can like drop off meals. And at the time I was vegan. Oh God. And gluten free. I'm allergic to, I'm allergic to wheat <laughs> and God bless these old ladies. Oh, I bet it was horrible. Who, oh my gosh. It actually wasn't, there was a lot of like vegetable soup, which was fine. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, it was in February, but bless them all. They like, they cooked like they had never cooked before <laughs> using soy and, and all sorts of other stuff. But just the effort they made was and like knowing so that you're so cared weird. about that they're going out of their way to like make sure that you're getting what you need. But it is nice to know and just see who's I do have people in my corner. I do have people that still care because at the same time, especially going through something like a, a big loss. People don't want to be around you, you feel, because you're so sad. Like, you're so freaking sad. And it's just like, who wants to hang out with me? I'm the saddest person on earth. That was uh, one thing Amanda said to me. She didn't say it in the podcast, but she was talking about just some friends in her life. And she was like, you know, I felt like some of my friends were like really, really there until they got sick of being Mm -hmm. there. And then it was kind of like, okay, are you done yet? Totally. Like people felt like it was like, okay, you've grieved enough. Like, when are you going to get over it? Like, you still, you'll never be over it. You still get emotional talking about Julia, even though now you have Charlie. Like, it's not like that replaces the grief. It's like the happiness overwhelms the grief. You're always going to feel that grief. You still, like, when it's her birthday, you still go away to the beach or do whatever. Like, you still have that. I got that so much. Like, aren't you done yet? Or like, that was like the nail in the coffin was that. Four months after we buried her, my ex came home one day and I was crying. And he goes, what are you sad about? Oh like, why are you crying? And I was like, it's me punching him in the face. Do you have to ask? Aye, I was aye, like, aye. we buried our two-week-old four months ago. Like, are you kidding mm-hmm. me? It was harder for people around me because I am the sunny so bunny, positive. funny. Yeah. I had someone saying to me, I want to see old people back. You're like, yeah, me too. Can you bring like, my baby back? You <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. But right now it's the one year anniversary of my daughter dying. So I'm going to go ahead and cry and not be your train monkey today. Yeah. If that's, if that's all right. Ugh, yeah. I got worst. that a lot too. I hate but people. Are you over it? Except you. You're my favorite. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so Elizabeth Veronica said, is there something you wish people knew about this that should be common knowledge but isn't? The hospice aspect mm. of of my situation. Mm. It's kind of an, un, I think hospice is also incredibly unsung. Oh my God, I anyway. did hair and makeup on. So I've actually done hair and makeup on many hospice nurses, but I did hair and makeup mm-hmm. on a pediatric hospice nurse. So basically who came for you with Juliet. And I told her, like, I don't believe in God or heaven, but if it's up there, there's a special place in heaven for pediatric hospice nurses. Like you, there's no happy stories doing that. Yeah, exactly. Like, and they, those nurses that came, because you can, um, they, when they, they offered it, like I could have denied it. Mm -hmm. And when I thought it cost money at first, I was like, oh, I can't afford it. Like we can't we couldn't have done it alone. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when she started taking a turn and we knew it was, it was getting towards the end. Like, oh my gosh. But those nurses were so patient and so wonderful and, and still being positive and answered all the questions. And they were so sweet. We did, we actually did not have a pediatric one. We just had a hospice nurse mm-hmm. and she, um, the main one. And she told, she told us that um, she saved us for the end of the day so that she could end on taking care of a cute baby. Aww. And like, it was like her little like her dessert <laughs> for the day. <laughs> her little ice cream <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Hospice is amazing. I couldn't imagine doing it. They're, they're incredible. And if you are in a situation like that and they give you the choice of hospice or not, Take do it. it. At Marty May 16 asked, did you go through with counseling? If so, how long? I think you said this, you found a counselor. Yes, I did find a counselor that I, uh, she was not uh, a grief counselor um, per se, um, but I just, I found her, I liked her. Um, I really resisted counseling, Mm -hmm. really, really resisted counseling. I talk about therapy a lot on this show and about how even the most healthy, like mentally healthy person should be in therapy. But if you've gone through Mm -hmm. anything, death Mm -hmm. or divorce or loss or illness or bankruptcy or anything everybody needs therapy it's so important yeah Yeah. so I I resisted a ton once again part of it was because I had no money Mm -hmm. Um, but the other part was I having a kind of a science background I I was like I know why she passed away Mm -hmm. I I know why I I know what the structure of her chromosomes were I, I it's not like it's a mystery it's not like it was a sudden or a tragic accident like I know why why do I need to do counseling and for grief you dummy you know, <laughs> and you know well hello that is what wine is for no that's bad um it does help <laughs> the divorce was probably a long a long ways coming for a few years and then losing our daughter that was you know it and so in the space of like six months my life totally changed and so my mom convinced me um, to, to do counseling just because I was going through a separation and the loss of a child. This is bad of me. I think I only went to about six sessions. I, I probably could have benefited from more, definitely. I'll tell anyone anything if it'll make them laugh or if it's interesting. But if it's something that's heavy or deep or emotional, I have a really, really hard time telling anybody anything like that. 
if I went to therapy, I would learn not to think like that. (laughs) This question is actually interesting. This was the only person that really asked a question about like your body. Um, At underscore graveyard queen asked, how long did it take for your cycle to get back to normal after having a miscarriage? It was probably different after Juliet because that was actually full birth. I have a little longer of a cycle. So mine's like 32 days. Every once in a while, that would cause like a wonk in there. But I I got pregnant the second time the month after I miscarried at eight weeks. Interesting. Because once again, the doctor out in Chicago was like, boopity-bop, like, let's do do this old school style and do whatever you want. So he, my cycle did come back and um, he didn't tell me to wait. Now, after the second one, he said, well, why don't you wait a couple months? You're going to have to to bear with me on my memory because this was a decade ago. (laughs) And she's Um, really old. I am not as old as you. (laughs) (laughs) Like you could get pregnant. Fertility was never your problem. The problem was the genetic thing. That's why. So Jimmy and I were talking last night, James and I were talking last night um, about somebody that we know that the problem is um, it won't stick Mm -hmm. because it's the fertility is the problem. And that's what that's another thing, too, is. Pregnancy loss can happen for many different reasons. Like Caitlin's problem was the genetic abnormality, 100%. but then there's people with fertility problems and there's people with, you know, the sperm could be the problem or the girl's body oh, yeah. is rejecting it or totally. so their many. uterus is a different shape or totally. the, yeah, getting pregnant was never the issue. It was holding on to it. And so for a while we thought it was the sticking aspect that wasn't sticky, but mm-hmm. it was just, it was my body recognizing Probably. I'm guessing right now because I never really. Had oh, it, recognizing whatever, the abnormality and being like, nope, this isn't going to work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That happens a lot with um, with gen- genetic abnormality um, embryos that they'll just get your body recognizes that they're not viable and it'll flush it out. Two more questions. Uh, All right. At not underscore really underscore and underscore angel. Good Lord. How do you talk <laughs> to someone who lost a baby when you're trying to get pregnant or want a child? Is that bad? So the question is, how do you talk to someone who's just lost? So, so for instance, if I wanted a baby and I was trying to get yep. pregnant, but I knew you had yep. lost a baby, how do I talk to you oh, about? Totally. Yeah, I would, I would, I think everyone is different mm-hmm. and you got to take it with a grain of salt and, and read the room kind of, yeah. if, you know, if it's, if it's fresh and I would also preface it, say like, I recognize your loss. I recognize yeah. exactly. I recognize your loss, and and I I grieve with you, and I want to respect your feelings. Um, I have some news to share, or I have I wanted to tell you something, but it relates to pregnancy. May may we talk? It's totally fine. If not, just just be honest, mm. like and gentle, not like I'm pregnant. Woo! <laughs> like totally, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Tact. Like and and you know. Being in both positions is hard not to be super excited. And you want to tell everybody on earth and being the other person that has like just lost a baby, we get over it. Mm-hmm. Like it's you, you also have the right to be excited. Well, and it's also not because you lost a baby that no other human is ever going to have another baby either. <laughs> like totally. It's gotta, I, the reality. I, I had actually, I had two girlfriends and my cousin had babies all within a month of Juliet passing. I held every one of those babies in the hospital wow. 
And that was oh my God. hard. Holy that was Moses. so incredibly hard. But I mean, it depends on, on everybody and, and what they're going through and where they're at. I would just be honest and, and acknowledge their feelings. And if you're thinking that maybe it's iffy, I would ask. Just go, you know what? I have some news that I want to share with you, but I totally understand if you are just not in a place to talk about it right now. Okay, last one. At okay. e.m.claypool. How do you stay hopeful after multiple losses? I'm starting to think it will never, never happen for us. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I, I have, I have 100% been there. And um, this is, this is me not having the answers again, which I'm really sorry about. And I wish, I wish I could take everyone's pain away and I wish I had answers for everything, but I can just tell you from my experience that we all do it. We're so focused. We want to be happy again and hopeful again. And we try to push ourselves right back into normal. Like it is all consuming pretty much when you want to be a parent, like, like Cherokee was or, Cherry. Sorry. No, I go by Cherokee on the show too. Like, <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> like this jerk like, over here. Like, like Chuck was saying, <laughs> I I went through a period myself where it was hard to keep up hope, and I did not think it was going to happen. And I, when during that my little flux in between times, I I purposely dated older men that I knew were either done having kids or probably wouldn't want kids just so there wouldn't be that pressure on me. And I actually, I dated one guy for way too long just because he had the cutest little girl. Uh, and he was such an asshole. His daughter was really cute, re- but he was such an asshole. <laughs> I realized at the end, I was like, I am only in this relationship to play mom to this adorable little girl. Like, and that's not good. No. I'm like, I can't go around stealing other people's brains. Um <laughs> But, you know, you're, it, it is, it's going to be, you know, ups and downs. And I, I'm not sure if I have, hey, counseling. There you yeah. Go. Maybe do Therapy a little counseling, is the answer a little, little in that, in that way. And, you know, <laughs> I would, you know, this might be one of those things that people don't want to hear, but is your path to parenthood, there's a path, mm-hmm. 100%. It might not be the path that you envisioned if at the end of the day, having a small human tear up your house is, is your end goal. There's a way to do it. And it might not be the way you envisioned, but you know, it's, and that's, and that can be some grieving too. You know, the, the idea of being pregnant and going through that experience, which is different than anything else. Um, and, and I wanted that so bad. I wanted to be pregnant. I wanted four by 30. That was my goal. Oh yeah. You were going to have kids. a giant Catholic brood. But that's obviously not the way it worked out. You know, when I met Tyler, my husband, he was a teacher too. And I was like, how are two teachers going to do several rounds of IVF? Because for sure, it's not going to go on the first mm-hmm. one. So we were looking at, you know, adoption, fostering. It, there's just different avenues is what I would say. Mm-hmm. So to keep a little glimmer of hope, if the end game is to have a small human, you're go- you're going to get there. It's It's going to happen. But it might not be the way you envisioned or the thing you've dreamed about. That's the one way I can say of keep your, keeping your hopes up. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of life. It's, it doesn't always work out puppy dogs and rainbows, but it doesn't mean yeah. it's not, it can't be wonderful. Totally. Sometimes life is just a shit sandwich and you got to eat every bite. But not but. the crust. Not the crust. Never eat the crust of a shit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Caitlin, that is it. Those are all my questions. You only kind all of right. cried once and I didn't cry at all. I am officially I dead inside. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it's called being a professional. Uh, true. So. It's also called I got all of my weeping out last night. So thank you for answering all these questions. Thank you for being so open and so honest. I know talking about this is really difficult. Um, and I know it's been a while and, you know, bringing back the other stuff. Can I have one parting thought? Please do. For anyone who is going through a, a recent loss or any loss, but especially a recent loss, when you feel that you are never going to feel the same again, and you probably aren't ever going to be the same again because you've been through a traumatic experience, I can tell you that it's always going to be with you, but you'll learn to manage it. And I mean, control is the wrong word. I feel that my grief is like a little box with a little lid on it. And it lives inside me. And at first, those first few years, that lid would fly off whenever and all my sadness would come out and I would have no control over it. Um, but the difference now is that I really do feel that I keep the lid on the box. And so I choose, not all the time, sometimes, you know, Aunt Flo visits and the box opens and spills <laughs> everywhere. And it just is what it is. I mean, literally but, the but, box opens and spills everywhere. <laughs> That's <true>. disgusting. <laughs> Very true. Disgusting. Who invited you to this podcast? Oy. Um, but, you know, I I control when to to open the lid and look inside and, and that, so it's, it's, it never goes away, but it's, you learn to kind of control it. And it sounds funny because it was such an all encompassing part of my life, but I almost feel sad that I don't feel so sad anymore. Hmm. Like I've, I feel, I feel guilty that mm, I like moved that you on should a feel that bit. sadness forever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I still have it. It's still there in the little box yeah, of course. and Cherokee, Cherokee did touch on, this is probably, I should probably be in therapy, basically is what's happening. <laughs> but I use her birthday weekend as like my time where the box is open. Mm-hmm. All weekend, I feel all the feelings. Uh, last year, I did um, a scrapbook of her. I didn't have any like pictures. And, and like the year before, I put out a picture of her because I, I can't, I actually, truth be told, I have not, I have not been able to visit her grave yet. Wow. And it's. And she was born in 2012. Mm. And I, I, I think it's coming. I think it'll be there. But it, it's part of me controlling that, the, little, the little box of sadness mm-hmm. is that I that would really rip the lid off. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, I was there for her burial, obviously, but I haven't been back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just a kind of a hope, if you want to say that, that it's you, it'll always be a part of you and it's always going to be with you, but you'll you will eventually learn how to control it. You'll be okay. It sounds weird in the country. Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll be, be okay. okay. All right. Well, thanks for being my guest. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> and everybody out there, you know, until next week, don't be an asshole. And also until next week, here's me and Caitlin waving like maniacs. <laughs> Bye, guys. 